So he looks and he says, so where's the drummer? So after a few encounters of this, I decided to have a little fun with it. And uh, so I said, oh, that's my boyfriend and he'll be coming along soon. I'm just, you know, he's taught me how to set up the rig. So I'm setting up his kit so that when he gets here, it'll be ready for him. He's just running late. It's time for Backstage Chats with Women in Music, where the stories and voices of female music makers inspire women like you to be dreamers, to be rule breakers, and to unleash your inner rock star. Podcasting from Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world, here's your host, Thea Wood. Welcome to another episode of Backstage Chats with Women in Music. I'm your host, Thea Wood, and today's featured artist is a woman whose talents and passions opened the door to the boys' club of jam bands since the early 1990s. Now, she's busting through glass ceilings by forming the first and only all-female Grateful Dead tribute band called Brown-Eyed Women. Her fellow bandmates include Joni Batari on lead guitar, Dana Carroll on bass, Caroline Kilo on keyboards and vocals, Kate Moore on rhythm guitar, and Jill Simmons on lead vocals. She's a lead singer, drummer, and an all-around natural harmonizer in music and in life. Please welcome the talented Denise Parant. Hi, thank you, Thea. Thanks for having me here today. Oh, it's such a pleasure. We're really happy to have you here. And there's so much ground to cover that we really just want to jump in with the shakedown, which is the group of questions that we ask all of our special guests. Are you ready? I am ready. Fantastic. Here's the first question. Who was your first concert? Oh, I can remember like it was yesterday. I went to see Rush at the Nassau Coliseum. (laughs) Wow. You know what? That's funny. That was my second concert. That was also my third concert and probably my 12th and 18th. And (laughs) it's not really counting the order of things, but uh, after a while, but I sure did uh, appreciate those concerts. Wow. Well, being a drummer, I understand that. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) What was the first album you bought with your own money? Uh, Well, it was a 45, actually. I bought uh, I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett with my my own money. That was, I I still love that, that song. Did you know that she was part of the reason why we started this nonprofit? Oh, how awesome to hear that. That's wonderful. Yes, I saw her documentary, Bad Reputation, in 2018, and it was very motivating to see how she overcame so many obstacles and realizing we need more help to get women beyond those obstacles. Which artist or band is in heavy rotation on your playlist right now? Well, always the Grateful Dead. Thanks to apps like ReListen and Sirius XM's Grateful Dead channel, I'm sitting pretty with the Grateful Dead all day, all the time. Uh, I love the spin when they put in some uh, Dead and Company and some Phil Lush and Friends and all the variations of the band since Jerry's passing in 95. But I'm still a girl who loves listening to the good old Grateful Dead, and I'm happy about that. But besides that, I love... I love Bonnie Raitt. I love Aretha Franklin. I love Joni Mitchell. Currently, I'm in love with Dawes and uh, Lake Street Dive. And probably my favorite bunch of players that have put out some really great original material are the Zen Tricksters, a band I grew up watching on Long Island and still keep tabs on to this day. Very cool. Well, that's a good eclectic list. Yeah, right. (laughs) Which woman has the most influence on your career? 
Well, you know, my mom has been someone who's been inspirational to me because when I was a young girl, I was always dragged along to her band practices or, or you know, it was more of a musical group, not a band, I should say, although there were people who played instruments. But there was a cast of characters who put on shows a couple times a year. And my dad was always involved in the tech and my mom was on the stage. And I just kind of really learned from the beginning about like shows and performing from my mom as a little one. And then growing up into learning, you know, Bonnie Raitt really inspired me to really pick up the guitar a little bit more than I had been because I also play guitar. Songs like Joni Mitchell, you know, by from Joni Mitchell and Aretha just melted me. And Carol King was a big part of that too. So I think those women would be at the tops of my list. And you've named a lot of women. <laughs> you have, which is awesome. I love hearing that. But if you could have dinner with any one woman that are alive, who would it be? Okay, so I hope you can uh, accept my variation of this answer because I thought really hard about this and I thought, hey, if you're going to dream, dream big. So I got a six top. It's not a one. It's not a two top. Okay. It's six people at this table. <laughs> and I'm even going to tell you where they're sitting, okay? So I thought about this. And so at the each end of the table, we'll have Aretha Franklin at one end and then Carol King at the other end, right? And then we have Joni Mitchell and Janis Joplin sitting next to each other on one side of that. And then I'm sitting next to Bonnie Raitt on the other side of that table. So there's my six top for you. I think that would be a pretty lively conversation. Right? Don't you? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And some really, really good stories from the road. I think so. And I could share a couple, but I'm sure I'd be in awe of what I'd be hearing. And just, I know Indigo Girls have been a huge support to me as a growing musician. And so, yeah, sometimes I think about this and it's going to be a big table by the time I finish thinking about all the artists who've influenced me. But I know Amy and Emily both have been a huge inspiration to me as well. So I, I will definitely include those women in this table. The last question in the shakedown is, what is one life goal you'd like to accomplish before climbing that golden stairway to heaven? I have been always playing covers for a long time, although I've written originals for as long as I can remember. I think 16, I wrote my first original. And I have not put <laughs> a good amount of time into recording them. I, I, years ago, I did. and I joined my band, the first Grateful Dead band I've been in. And I still am in. I joined in 93, the Deadbeats uh, here in the Hudson Valley of New York. And I've been playing a lot of covers. And uh, fortunately, I do have a few of my originals in the rotation, but I don't really have any good recordings of them. So that is my wish list. That's on my to-do list. That's my, uh, my dream before ascending the stairway to heaven. I, I want one good CD of all of my, or a lot of my original material. Well, you know what? That's completely doable. And I look forward to hearing it. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> all right. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back with Denise Parent. This podcast is a production of Horizon Music Foundation. Horizon Music depends on angels like you who give wings to the next generation of women in music. Everyone is welcome to join our band of dreamers, rule breakers, and rock stars. More information about our education, experience, and role modeling programs is available at backstagechats.com. As always, thank you for your support. Now, back to the show. And we're back with Denise Perrant of Brown Eyed Women. Now, Denise, I have to say that the first time I saw Brown Eyed Women play was on YouTube, and it was 
your cover of Bertha, which by the way, for everybody listening, we have a link to this in our show notes. And I'm not embarrassed to say that tears came to my eyes because I couldn't believe I was watching an all-female band cover the dead. (laughs) And that leads to my first real big question. How did it feel performing your first show together? Wow. You know, we were at Crazy Uncle Mike's in Boca, Florida, Boca Raton, Florida. And uh, well, we had come off a day prior. Our very first time playing together was the day before that first show. We had an all-day marathon rehearsal, which was our first rehearsal together, although we'd spent a lot of time prepping with, you know, which version of this song you're going to play and blah, blah, blah. And then it was, I mean, I remember being a little nervous. We had, I think Dion, the famous Dion was in the crowd and we had some uh, video crew doing some documentary recordings and we had a huge bunch of people that showed up for our first show, including some of my great friends, near and dear friends that moved from New York, where I know them, to Florida. And they trucked out for the show, which was really nice. And my aunt and uncle were there as well because they lived in the vicinity. So it was really nice to have some people I know in the crowd and also to see the huge crowd that was there. It was it was very well attended. And when we started, you know, I had to shake off the nerves a little bit in the beginning because I knew this was a new and different thing. And of course, I think within the first four minutes that or five minutes, you know, that that rolls off a little bit. Once I start playing it, usually everything just falls into place so nicely. And with these women, the talent is by far over the top. And this was a very good experience. One of my favorite days was the first time we played together, and especially at Crazy Uncle Mike's there in Boca. I love that story. And especially because you had old friends and family there to kind of cheer you on and be a part of what I think is kind of a historical moment, right? I think so. I do think it is. Yeah, I do think it was very special as a um, a woman who played in the boys club for so many years to be in the girls club, you know, and it was really nice. Everybody's welcome. I mean, right. it's not divisive in any way. It's more of a celebration of the female and the woman and, um, you know, part of who I am. Absolutely. And you know what? We're not all like the other girls. Sometimes they're a little different. And I think that pulling this together is a testament to that. And again, like we talked about earlier, breaking the rules. We have a question from a fan, Marlon Hederick, who wants to know what about the Grateful Dead influenced you to pursue forming the all-female cover band, Brown-Eyed Women? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, Hi, Marlon. Thanks for your question. I guess basically my favorite part of The Grateful Dead, or it's my favorite music for so many reasons for, I'll say them, I'll try to do my best to list why uh, I love them so much and why I wanted to put this band together. But it was, it's harmony, it's rhythms, it's melody, it's love songs, it's songs about current events, it's songs that make me cry, make me want to raise my fist in the air and dream with happiness, with joy, actually moves me to tears when I think about it right now. And I think the intelligent jams where the Grateful Dead especially, they shed their ego. They work together to create this incredibly potent musical tapestry. And the sounds that it's not like everybody's playing on top of each other. They're weaving in between each other. And besides the tension set up in jams, like a Cassidy, they'll hold on this tension and then the release. And it's just like, 
you know, I can remember being in either MSG or Knickerbocker or the wherever I was, uh, NASA Coliseum, where I uh, would get goosebumps in those moments where they'd come out of the jams and just like I could feel it almost right now with the hair standing up on my arms because of the excitement level, you know, this, this tension release and then this beautiful harmony where, you know, Jerry would be singing about love or Jerry would be singing about something and you'd feel the raw emotion in his voice. And Bobby, you know, just being so darn adorable up there, really, he got really into it, you know, and he wasn't afraid to show that in any way. And those pounding rhythms between Phil and, and Mickey and Billy just doing their thing. I, wow. You know, just incredible things that I've learned and kept with me and and try to utilize every performance I have. And speaking of Bob Weir, did I read right that he saw you play at a club? <laughs> Actually, it's true. Back when um, Bobby and Rob Wasserman were coming up, maybe it was Woodstock, one of the Woodstocks up, I think in Saugerties, New York, they were on their way up to play and they were staying at a hotel that happened to be across the street from where we were playing in Poughkeepsie. And they came over to eat some food. Cactus Club, I think that was called back then. It's changed names a bunch. But they came in to see us. And I remember, you know, it came up to the stage like, do you know Bobby's here? <laughs> you know, like, what? Like, and, you know, I think we had done Feel Like a Stranger. I wasn't singing lead on it back then. But then we did Think by Aretha, which I sang many years and still do occasionally. Yeah. So, and it was nice. And then we went over to talk to them on our break and, you know, they were eating, so I didn't want to spoil anything, but I was just so like, wow, what a great coincidence. And I spelled that great G-R-A-T-E coincidence that we just had there. Yeah. So that was a treat. (laughs) Knowing that they were in the audience, did that change how you were playing? And by the way, you were with the Deadbeats at this show, right? That's right. That was the Deadbeats. That was the early 90s. Yeah, well, I was nervous. I got nervous. (laughs) I was like, what? Bobby and Rob are out there? What is that? And, you know, show must go on. I think over the years I've seen that I'm less nervous, but, you know, I still get I still get a little nervous from time to time. And I think that just keeps me in check and humble and grounded. And I think that's good because, you know, I don't know everything and I'm not full of myself. I'm, I'm ready to learn, as Joni Mitchell will say. Life is for learning. So I'm all the student. So I'll take a lesson where I can get it. (laughs) Right now, I believe you play in three bands. There's Brown Eyed Women, The Dead Beats, which you've been with since 1993, Hemingway's Cat, and Wild Piper. Plus, you have a day job working in family services. And Brown Eyed Women, all of you live in different states. So I couldn't wrap my head around how the heck do you squeeze in rehearsals and touring? That's great. Well, I, w- I will update that a little bit. Currently, Hemingway's Cat and Wild Piper aren't playing anymore. In terms of the bands that I play in, I've always enjoyed playing, you know, original music and cover music. So I try to play with, you know, anybody who asks <laughs> if I can have the time. And so the family services job, how does that mix in with you having to be on the road, for instance, or maybe having to travel to do a rehearsal? Well, I have vacation time, thankfully, from um, family services. And, you know, I just basically do the tours on my vacation time over the weekends. We we started to tour. Well, you know, unfortunately, currently, everything's at a standstill for touring. So, you know, we did right. have a few cancellations due to COVID. And uh, I'm sure there'll be more cancellations coming. But the beauty of that band is that we can all get together for, you know, long weekend tours and add a day on for rehearsal. 
so that whatever city we start our tour in, we arrive a couple of days early to start our rehearsals. And there's a lot of prep that goes into that before we get together on the road. So I think I mentioned like, you know, what version we might be playing, you know, who's singing what part and who's going to sing which harmony part and, and stuff like that is, is pretty much worked out beforehand. I know in years of having pickup players in the Deadbeats and other bands of, and being a pickup player, you know, you need a drummer this night and you go sit in with that band or we need a bass player one night and we get. So I know that this has been a common theme in the Grateful Dead music and in a lot of uh, jam band music. People are familiar with the songs. They played them with other bands. So if you need a player, they fill in that night. And so knowing that we've done a lot of research on each other in Brown Eyed Women prior we knew that we had the bases covered for what we needed for to present well and to sound good, to sound great, and to have the um, ability to do the prep work on which Althea we were going to use or which brown-eyed women version we were going to use so that we might have that knowledge ahead of time. So when we came in, we could utilize, I think we had about a 12-hour rehearsal our first day rehearsing together. And, you know, we got through quite a bit of material and the discussion never ends. We, we have weekly calls. Well, maybe not always weekly, but very often do we have lengthy calls discussing songs, versions, and, you know, maybe even just sharing our joy for certain songs and why we want to do it and what makes it special to us, stuff like that. To that point, you've played original music. You were in a band called Big Sister, which was an all-female rock band. And of course, you know, years of playing covers. What are the differences or and or similarities between performing original music versus covers? I think that people really love to hear songs they know. People in the crowd love to hear songs that they know. And I can attest to the fact that after playing in both types of bands, all original bands and all cover bands, the fact is people want to sing and dance along to songs they know. And maybe one of the reasons I'm a drummer is I love to get people dancing. And I think there's less inhibitions or whatever when, when they know the song and it just makes them happy to hear it. That being said, I love singing my own songs and whatever bands I've been in over the years. I love presenting our originals to people. I'm very fortunate in the Deadbeats to play a few of my songs and and even have some fans request those songs from time to time. And, you know, the, the feeling I get is like, wow, you know, that's wonderful because I love singing it and you love hearing it. So aren't we lucky, you know, and things like that. And really being able to create and share my own creation with people is over the top fulfilling. Yeah, that's, that's a really great thing. And if you don't play them, how are people going to get to know them so that they're familiar songs, right? Exactly right. Exactly right. And speaking of not just as a songwriter, but also a drummer and a singer, which by the way, I know a lot of people say is really hard to do at the same time and you have a knack for it, which is amazing. (laughs) I do know that you have still had experiences with the attitude or people saying things along the line of you play good for a girl. Isn't that right? Yes, that is true. And I love that you say that you try to take a positive spin on that as an, okay, well, they really are trying in a weird way to give me a compliment. So you kind of had a little fun with one guy who presumed too much about who was drumming that night. And I was kind of hoping you could kind of share that story. Oh, yeah. I can still remember. I was in uh, Monticello, New York, and we were at a club and uh, my guitar player, Mike 
Johnson, phenomenal guitar player and uh, person in his own right, and dear brother of mine for since I joined the Deadbeats in 93. And uh, Mike and I arrived early, as we often ride together to shows, and we uh, were setting up. And so this gentleman walks over to Mike and says, oh, you're in the band. That's great. You know, what kind of music you play? And Mike talked a little bit. You know, I'm standing right there, too, setting up a drum set, and he's setting up his guitar rig. And so he looks and he says, so where's the drummer? So after a few encounters of this, I decided to have a little fun with it. And uh, so I said, oh, that's my boyfriend, and he'll be coming along soon. I'm just, you know, he's taught me how to set up the rig, so I'm setting up his kit so that when he gets here, it'll be ready for him. He's just running late. Okay, so then we start playing, and I'm playing the songs, and he comes over, he goes... Oh my God, how are you doing? And I said, well, you know, he's my boyfriend. He's taught me a few tricks over the years. You know, I, I've certainly learned a lot from him. So I'm just going to fill in until he gets here. And then, you know, after a while of that, I, I had to let on that I was pulling his leg. Cause, you know, I mean, it was, <laughs> it was just too good. And I, you know, my boyfriend was never going to show up. So I had to come clean at some point. Mike and I, Mike from my band, you know, we, we sure did have a good chuckle over that one. It still makes me laugh when I think about it. Thanks for that memory. And I hope he was a good sport about it at the end of the day. Yeah, I think he was. I think he was just more surprised, you know, and like, wow, you know, I've had that wow factor a lot. They're not really uh, used to seeing a woman play drums. And so that has been a topic of conversation on the regular. <laughs> right. I bet. And this kind of leads to my next question, which isn't just about gender, but about age. And what has maturity brought to the table in performing live? Definitely checking my ego, I think, has been a really good lesson for me. I know that a lot of times as a young musician, not a lot of times, but a few times I can remember, you know, trying to prove myself to others. And I think over time, it was because like, I just really wanted to look good, you know? And I think over the years, learning to play what's best for the song instead of my idea of that or just what I wanted to play. Or there's a drummer out there. Let me just do a really good drum roll here. You know, like I don't have that anymore. I, of course, I want to make people happy. I think that's my number one thing in life anyway. But I, I do know that I really want to play what's best for the song. And I think that is huge for me and learning to listen and not play on top of things and play, you know, around and, and let things sit and breathe without me having to do a lot to it. Because that's really what I see a lot of the Grateful Dead doing anyway. And that was a, a great lesson. I'll also say the, the four agreements are like my favorite things ever. Uh, be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. Those things have stuck with me because I just know, you know, as I said before, life is for learning and I want to just be the best Denise I can be. So I want to do what I can do to make people happy. I want to play the songs well. I want to make people feel good when maybe, you know, they're upset from something in their life and they walk into the bar and I'm singing the song and it makes them happy that you know, that to me is, is a, one of the best gifts I have in life. And uh, I'm blessed to be able to share my gifts with people who, who enjoy it and recognizing that I'm not perfect and I will make a mistake, whereas I would have to try to overcompensate after a mistake in the old days. That's not so much the case anymore. I can accept that, oh, I just missed the symbol when I 
When I went to smack that symbol, oh, I just dropped a stick. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, okay, pick it up. Let's keep going. Let's go. You, you blew the lyrics in that. Yeah. There were times where I'd have to repeat that verse. I'd have to repeat that verse to show that I knew those lyrics. But, you know, now it's just like, is that what's best for the song or is that what my ego wants? So shed the ego do what's best for the song. Right. And I love going to live shows where all of a sudden you might see the drummer look at the bass player and kind of snicker like, oh, one of us messed up on that, but let's keep rolling. Exactly. (laughs) You know, for people who are huge fans of the music, it's the overall experience that they're excited about and little blips on the radar aren't going to really affect that anyway. So I think that getting in the zone mentality, like you said, is a check of the ego out the door and then just bring it in full circle and stay with the groove. Exactly. So I have another question for you. In previous interviews, your advice to readers was to learn how to harmonize both in music and in life. And I thought that was a beautiful thing. What advice in particular would you give to young women who want to enter the music business, whether it's as a musician or a songwriter or someone behind the scenes? That's a great question, Thea. Thank you. First and foremost, you should uh, feel what you sing and sing what you feel. I think that, and if you don't sing, then feel what you play and play what you feel. I think that there's a lot of that raw energy that is so appealing when I see artists that I love is because they put their heart and soul into the songs. And I can tell you everybody I've named in this interview, all my favorites have do that repeatedly. It's not just for show. There's a feeling attached to these things. And so keep that feeling alive because it's what moves you to do what this is all about, which is playing. I I love playing. I love singing a song. There's times where I sing it because I sing some other songs besides Grateful Dead in the Deadbeats. And I finish A White Rabbit and my body is shaking with the feeling of remember what the Dormouse said at the end of that song, right? I can't finish that song and then just go into another song. I've often told the boys, I need a second. I'm like overwhelmed with this emotion. Right. Feeling the raw energy of screaming that ending. And there's nothing better than that, in my humble opinion. That's one thing I'd talk about. I think about sometimes the different styles of talking between men and women. And that sometimes I... Often, you know, or not often, but I've been seen as, uh, oh, she wants to talk about that again (laughs) in the boy bands. You know, like, oh, she wants to talk about that harmony again or, oh, she wants to bring up, you know, it's kind of, I I laugh at it. But the nature of it is nothing's really wrong. Guys aren't wrong because they're different or girls aren't wrong because they're different. And, you know, men and women just have their differences. And I think celebrating that is okay. Also being aware of that. Don't maybe, I, I did feel kind of like a little problem sometimes when I brought up something and it was met with you know, uh, you know, or I wish I didn't feel that way. I wish I recognized, you know, this is just who I am and I want, I want to work out a harmony or I want to work up. It's not an E there. It's a B there or whatever it is. Right. So I, I think that's important to recognize. We have different styles and maybe just accept that and learn how to work with that in a good team. And I guess don't let someone else's behavior, you know, stop you from being you. Just be you. And I understand it's it's easy to get caught up in what other people say that you're doing and other people think that you're doing. But if your heart's in the right place and you're keeping in check, you know, it's not like you're just thinking this. You're reading things. You're expanding your mind and your consciousness with if it's Eckhart Tolle or if it's the Four Agreements or if it's any of these things that might help you grow as a human. You know, if you can stay in check with that and your friends aren't calling you uh 
a-holes, <laughs> you know, I think it's a good thing to keep trudging on, keep going through and uh, accept who you are and just keep growing and evolving and celebrating and being grateful. I think those are really important to do and not take anything for granted. Such great advice. And, and I really appreciate that. And so do our listeners. And the last thing I would like to say is thank you for sharing your stories with us today. And it's so important to get everyone's point of view. What we're doing is we're getting perspectives from everybody in the business, which is so important. And before we get ready to sign off, I was hoping that you could share with our audience how they can visit your music, see your music, listen to your music, uh, websites, social media, get in touch with you, that kind of thing. Fantastic. Okay. Well, Brown Eyed Women has a Facebook page, Brown Eyed Women. And we also have a YouTube channel, Brown Eye Women Band. And uh, that's where we post a lot of our videos and whatever and keep things flowing uh, there. And then brownwomen.com is our website. Deadbeats, um, because there are a few of us, we have Deadbeats NY, like New York, deadbeatsny.com is our uh, Deadbeats page. And you can see some stuff there, schedules and whatnots. We also have a Facebook page and I have a YouTube channel. With, you know, I have a couple of originals I mentioned earlier. I haven't really recorded them, but in the, in the start of COVID, this crisis with Corona, I have been... I was inspired, I should say, to um, set down some of my songs. I know I, I had a friend reach out to me and tell me how much one of my songs meant to her and how inspirational it was for her to get through the tough times. So I decided I was going to record these even if I was sitting on the couch in my living room. And that's exactly <laughs> what I did. I sat on my couch in my living room. I put the camera on and I made four videos of my original songs on uh, YouTube. So that channel is called Morning Sun Smiles. And that's because one of my songs is called Morning Sun. And that was that inspirational song to Timber. And so anyway, Timber's the woman who asked me uh, about the song. Anyway, so yeah, I am happy to um, contact anybody who reaches out. If they want to find me on uh, one of those mediums, I'm happy to talk with you and uh, say, hey, send you some love. Perfect. And by the way, I want to give a special shout out to Mr. David Gans, who had connected Denise Perrant and myself uh, for this interview. I know that you did an interview with him on uh, Tales from the Golden Road. And so thank you, David, for that connection. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. And a big thank you to our listeners. If you like what you hear, please take a moment to visit backstagechats.com and click the donate button. Your support helps us continue to uplift the voices and careers of women in music who inspire us to be what? Dreamers, rule breakers, and rock stars. Until next time, rock on. Audio engineering for this episode was provided by Podcast Engineers. Hit the subscribe button and never miss an episode of Backstage Chats with Women in Music. You can make a difference by donating to the cause. Visit backstagechats.com and click the donate button today. <laughs>